0: show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the date. This is the hour, together you know we've got the power Drop the silos, we're all the same team Patients, docs, nurses, tech and marketing How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried, so join us now, join the revolution Digital health is the evolution Status quo, more like status, no Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. you y'all come on, let's go New choices, new platforms, new care models. In the healthcare of tomorrow, consumers win. But who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? We're here to answer those questions with some provocative thinking about how to create the healthcare that people actually want. Ready to roll up your sleeves, look at the world a little differently, and explore the frontiers of consumer health together? Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome back. I'm Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about the healthcare of tomorrow. If you're just now joining us, we hope you'll follow us and check out our previous episodes, all 200 of them. We're in season seven, where we're writing the consumer health playbook and answering three important questions. Who will design it? What will it look like? And how long will it take? Let us know what you think about this episode and what topics you're dying to hear about in future episodes by reaching out on LinkedIn or Twitter at healthcare So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about simplicity. What can we learn from CBS health's announcement of their new virtual? primary care service? I'll talk about that. Then Gary Druckenmiller from Innovacer is in the house to share some provocative thinking about the modern role of tech in consumers' health journeys. Gary shares what consumers need to better understand about MarTech and health tech and how quickly they're evolving. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go. Flavor of the week. When we make it simple, we can help people lead healthier lives. That quote came from Dr. Cray Milford as part of CVS Health's announcement of their new virtual primary care service. Dr. Milford is their vice president of Enterprise Virtual Care, and the announcement comes within a week of Walmart's headline that MeMD, which they acquired in May 2021, has been rebranded as Walmart Health Virtual Care. CVS Health's new service is interesting on a couple of levels. Their announcement states that their virtual primary care will give members access to primary care, on-demand care, chronic condition management, and mental health services virtually with the option of being seen in person when needed at an in-network provider, including MinuteClinic. The virtual primary care provider can also help members identify appropriate in-network specialists and other in-network health service providers if necessary. With the introduction of CVS Health virtual primary care, Aetna is offering plan sponsors more benefit options to meet their members' evolving needs. So it's interesting to me that they talk about referring out to specialists and they clearly tout the fact that this is being rolled out to Aetna members. The announcement itself is also interesting on a couple of levels. Note what their announcement did not include, anything about clinical excellence. Because don't we as consumers consider that table stakes? There's nothing about U.S. news rankings or higher clinical quality scores. They're very clearly banking on simplicity, connectedness, and quick access. They even quote the industry factoids that, on average, it takes 24 days to schedule an appointment with a primary care physician, and the average wait time to see a mental health provider in person is 48 days. Incumbent hospitals and health systems simply can't claim that they make anything simple. I also find it fascinating how well CVS and the other retail giants seem to dominate the news cycle. Think about it, in the sports world, the NFL does a masterful job of owning the new cycle year-round. There's practically no off-season. The Super Bowl finishes in February, then free agency starts in mid-March, and the draft happens in April. OTAs, or organized team activities, start in May, training camp starts in July, the preseason starts in August, and the regular season lasts throughout the fall. Likewise, the last 12 months have been a barrage of CVS, Amazon, Walgreens, and other retailers continually rolling out new offerings. It's worth noting that it remains to be seen whether CVS can deliver On their promise of simplicity at scale, but they're clearly banking on it. And I've learned to not be so quick to dismiss consumer brands that are entering the space. And the main reason is that I believe that the biggest opportunity for improvement in healthcare is making it easier. Let's make it our mission to keep simplicity at the heart of healthcare. That's another way that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the week. everyone, let's get into the flow here. Give it up for Gary Druckenmiller. Gary's the managing director for PRM at Innovacer. Uh, Gary's in the house to share some provocative thinking about consumerism and MarTech and health tech. This is kind of a world where a lot of roads are intersecting and a lot of people I feel like are talking about it. Gary knows what's happening here. I really do feel that way. And so we're going to get into a lot of exciting topics here, all specifically about what consumers need to really better understand about tech. Everyone else needs to understand about the consumer's standpoint. But before we get any further, first
1: and foremost, Gary, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. Thank you very much, Jared. It is uh, wonderful to finally be on with you here after uh, watching all of your great success over the last few years. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think we were
0: winding back the movie reels of time and trying to think right. there, no doubt there are conferences where we've we have crossed paths or probably even had a conversation and, and that type of thing. That's just how this works. But, uh, you know, what, what do I miss your bio first off? Like, what else would you like our listeners to know about you and your background, where you're at, what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting uh, mix of uh, career lineage to kind of get here. You know, the greatest challenge I think any any technology person could currently be undertaking. And it's only for the bravest of souls. But my the first third of my career was actually in consumer goods, was in manufacturing, CPG. I ran digital for, you know, some pretty large name brands like Timex, Swiss Army brands, and And then I moved into the agency world, which is actually my first taste of healthcare, which was on the pharma and the health insurance side. And then got into a startup, as you know, with an organization called The Variant. And then I've been on the provider side for almost a decade. Yeah, well over a decade now. Gosh, has it been that long? (laughs) And those three worlds are kind of brought me to here. And that's probably, I think, the best thing to say kind of about me and what I'm doing and kind of how I got here and how I got to Innovator in the role that I'm in, which is inherently kind of Leading the consumer experience universe for innovator with through kind of the lens of a the classic terms of CRM and customer experience and consumerism, but I couldn't even remotely be in this position if I hadn't tracked my career kind of the way I did because it's all required right
0: now. Well, I'll tell you what, what I like about that is this notion that I've had in, in my mind for some time that there really is not a linear path anywhere in our field. <laughs> There's not a, right. I, I went to yeah. school I went to school to be a doctor and then I got trained and then I became a doctor. It's not like, I
1: don't right. know anyone who's had that type of, of career path yeah. in our field. Right. Exactly. And that's good. Like, cause we need all different, I think angles and purviews of individuals experiences, whether you stay in it or you jump in and you jump out from time to time. That's all required right now because the the we're still untangling. It takes a lot of individuals who have who spent time kind of orbiting this market, entered in, entered out, looked outside, saw it was working, came back in again to continue to untangle before we can piece it back together again. I've seen countless individuals do this, but again, we're all kind of now congealing I think for the final push which is which is imminent here over the next couple of years.
0: It is you know we're going to dive into that because I want to hear yeah. more about your your thought about untangling here as we get going though. I definitely want to know something that that everyone's dying to hear from you which is uh,
1: tell us something that gets you out of bed in the morning. Duh. The tension <laughs> I guess and the anxiety that transforming healthcare brings requires a I think a certain allegiance to your own health. You can't help But and we're like deeply as you are swept into this, I mean, working, depending upon whether you're working from the provider side or you're working on the health tech side, like I've been now for in this space for well over 12 years, you see it all. I mean, I've walked into almost every single major health system in America and I've gotten to see what these brave individuals have to do every single day in their job. And so what it points back to me is Gary. You have to also stay healthy. It's this is a this is literally an 18-hour day kind of role. And you can get very lost in it. And so what gets me bed every day is heading right down to that gym and making sure that right after I make my bed, which is kind of like that military rule, right? If you want to get your day going in the right way, make your bed right away and accomplish something. Number two on the list is getting into the gym, making sure that I keep myself healthy and serve as a good constituent of this journey. And I want to practice what I preach.
0: That's a really cool link that you just drew there between those of us. So I feel like our insiders here involved in the transformation of healthcare and how essential it is. I'm not sure I've heard it put that way and I'm so glad you did. So that link is important. I mean, one, one definitely fuels the other. It is, we have to be responsible and be good stewards for this. I love this line of thinking. I've, I have thought recently about like, what's the connective tissue? Like what's in common with all of us? And I, I've labeled us as industry insiders because I feel like everyone who's listening understands that it can easily devolve into barking at the moon in terms of, hey, healthcare needs to change, you know? And, and those of us, there's a big group and that's what I've only recognized I'd seen in the last couple of years how big this group is of people who care, who are involved in the transformation of healthcare, a lot from the tech side, a lot from the consumer side, and this really cool intersection of both. We can get stuck in the asking, well, how come things aren't better? How come things aren't easier? And there's this group, whatever the term is for us, these insiders who are involved in attempting to transform the system. I think there's something to be said for recognizing these common traits between us more.
1: Yeah, and you know it, it's it's interesting that you put that that way in response to comment. I articulated it, because I, it's gotten very easy for me to identify these individuals, and I and I've and I've I've kind of simplified it to some very simple individualistic human parameters. Are they doing it for the right reasons? Are they in this market for the right reasons? And you can tell. I mean, you run a podcast. You probably have a pretty good psychological profile <laughs> in your on those who get on your show and you can sit here and tell right away these people are righteous and they are here to do the good and having that be the litmus test for anybody who has a hand in this game is the litmus test because for the past decade plus which has been a warm-up act to what's about to become i mean we are literally still in the bottom of the first inning with the stuff which is crazy I've just, I've met a lot of folks that just were not in this for the right reasons. And I don't know what their reason really was. But the key here is to make people healthy. That's the problem. And by virtue of that, you're addressing the basic people, it's not even consumer or patient, it's people needs, it's human needs. And when you start using terms like that, that actually, and, and and you find those people that talk like that, those are the righteous ones. Those are the ones that are in this dance. And all of the kind of machinations that go along with it. And it's not easy, but those are the ones that I think have a an invariably different point of view on what this thing actually is. In its essence, it is the largest technological transformation that we have seen maybe since the housing crisis and the housing market or, you know, the financial crisis, this is our COVID was our financial crisis, right? It was our housing crisis and it shook up this industry. Like there's no tomorrow. So now who's in it and who's, who's doing it the right way. Who's righteous enough to hang on with it till the end, until it's done. But if they're using, but that, that now I think is becoming the litmus test for for that group and that, and you hope they're mentally healthy, physically healthy, that they can kind of stick on this charge because it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun road here over the next several years, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: love it. Hmm. Uh, well, and like you said, there's a lot of untangling to do here, which kind of leads me to this, this thought of one direction for us to go here for a bit and double click on. I'm really latching onto this term of, of untangling uh, hmm. for me. And I think if, we, if one of our goals on the podcast is always to help everyone un- better understand the consumer's standpoint, I feel like it's safe to say that a majority of consumers don't understand, like people on the street, they don't understand the untangling that needs to happen. They're just sitting there saying, this wasn't fun to go to the doctor. That yeah, they cost don't, a don't lot. They, they don't
1: yeah. care. They, they don't just care. want a better experience. Well, What's I mean, the issue is, here? So the reason I, and you asked me the question at the beginning, like what, what else would you like people to know? The reason I stated that the way, way I did was intentional. If you've worked in healthcare your whole life, that's all you know. And it goes without saying that there are a lot of folks who've worked in healthcare their whole life. That doesn't mean that they've inherently worked for a broken machine. This is the greatest country for care, without a shadow of a doubt. Right? We are the best in the world at it, period. The infrastructure behind it has a proclivity. And by that accord, there's a high degree of malevolence associated to it, of being the poorest structure that supports the best care. How did that even happen? But unless you've spent any time outside of it, you wake up every day not knowing the art of the possible. And this is why you see like CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, Amazon, all these, all these gangs who started from selling drugs, you know, armbands and stuff in their stores going, well, we know consumerism. We're really good at this. We can do commerce online. We understand consumer behavior. We don't know it perfectly either, but at least we have a heck of a good start. Why don't we try to help? And that is kind of a, a momentous moment as in just one example of coming back to this notion of consumerism. And consumers just want things to work smoothly. And at the end of the day, the consumer always wins. So if you talk, you mentioned Serve, right? You mentioned the airline industry. You mentioned the hospitality industry, buying a house, Every single one of them had a common thread. They had the most complex, non-consumer oriented path to purchase and commerce and transaction, whatever you want to call it, in the industrial era. And all of those have seemingly been addressed. It took a moment to address them, but they all had to concede, which kind of goes back to the comment I was mentioning before. There's an eventual moment where the entire industry is shook down to a common denominator that has to concede to the fact that the consumer just is going to win this. Essentially, they're going to win no matter what you do, no matter what process B2B thing that you're trying to hold on to and control. Don't just stop doing that and let the consumer and just find a path to what the consumer is asking for at any given moment. And that's the point that you win. But you think about the collection of constituents and organizations and associations that are involved in order to get to that point. That's what's tangled, right? So you've got payer, life science provider, you know you got all these then you know tier two transitionary care types of institutions and there's a ton of those you got ASCs you got the retail framework you go down and down and down and down there's like 20 layers of health care that don't work well together and then in each in each and every one of those layers the people inside those don't work well together now, that's not just tangled that's like a wonka evader. Right. (laughs) So they all have to collectively find their own path first. So the provider path, payer path, life science, retail, they're going to carve their path. And then at some point there's going to be a plateau and then they're going to come together and then there's going to be another plateau and then they're going to come together. And eventually that will be consumerism. But until then, they have to really begin to rapidly and urgently concede To your point, the consumer doesn't care about your readmission rate, your quality matrices, your ROI on marketing campaigns, your retention, and exceedingly, you know, an inordinate path to getting to a lifetime value associated with me, otherwise known as PLTV. They just don't care about all this complicated gobbledygook. Just show me that line of sight from first point of contact through life, and I'll be happy for me and only me. And that's such an incredible and noble and empathetic, to use your term, journey to be on. And if everybody in this industry thought just like that, honestly, we could be there in less than five years. Easy. If not, then you're, you're stretching it out over time.
0: Stay tuned for more provocative thinking after the break. Hey, listen up, y'all. Did you know that nearly 60% of people wish their healthcare provider sent them more relevant health information? And 42% would even consider switching to a different provider that sent them more, according to a recent survey of patients in the U.S. The vast majority of them would prefer to get that information via email or text. Persado is a natural language AI company that provides healthcare organizations with pre-developed, pre-optimized messaging journeys proven to build digital relationships, improve health goals, and increase patient retention, deliver better health outcomes, and revenue growth with Persado's data-driven content that inspires action. Visit persado.com to learn more. That's Persado, P-E-R-S-A-D-O.com to find out how Persado can help. Justin Knott here with the Patient Convert Podcast, your weekly dose of healthcare marketing growth strategies, co-hosted by Justin and Kelly Knott. This is perfect for physicians, practice owners, healthcare entrepreneurs, and healthcare executives. We are breaking down what practices and healthcare organizations should be doing to grow, reach, and retain patients. There's so much confusion and so many options out there around what you should be focusing on to grow your practice, and we're breaking down each week what really works. We're bringing real-world application, case studies, and interviews from leading growth-minded physicians and healthcare executives. So catch us weekly on your favorite listening platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. Okay, back to the flow. Well, exactly. What that does is give us a pretty low bar for making progress. And realistically, there are some very pragmatic starting points here. That brings me to uh, to Innovator. I know a lot of people actually are, are very interested. Their eyes are on Innovator right now. They want to know what, mm-hmm. what they do and kind of what the vision is that Innovator is trying to move towards. Can you give us, first off, a layperson's explanation of okay. what Innovator does and then? Talk us through the vision for how Innovator sees the world differently.
1: Yeah. So, and in order to do that, we have to quickly, we have to just temporarily, as we always do, as technologists, right? You have to take a step back in time because the problem with technology, especially today, with so much money that's being fueled into healthcare, healthcare tech, particularly, is that everybody thinks now is the starting point. Well, guess what? It's not. Like, <laughs> not even close. Like this, this started years and years and years years ago. But the big switch was around two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and the Stark laws kind of got deregulated to a certain degree, and that allowed marketers and commun- outside communication and messaging to consumers. That started to ramp up. That was literally the dawn of kind of the healthcare CRM era, which which I was a part of, and you were as well. But it's in that ten years. We've been trying to fix a process, right? Like a hospital process and a workflow and use all these terms to address it and make our departments work better. And, and we have to improve X system and you know, we have to have this KPI and it's just all the same stuff. None of it worked. We've made very little impact in a decade. And there's one reason why, just one, and that's data. We were all focusing on the wrong thing. And, and I tell this to the folks that I'm close with now and I'm on the phone with them. Like, look, I'm sorry. Like, it didn't work because we just, we were swimming upstream, you know, or paddling upstream without a without a paddle, you know, category five rapid. <laughs> and we didn't, we were moving so quickly. We didn't notice the kind of the archetype that had been manifested in many other industries prior to that, including Pfizer, including insurance, including pharma. And that was reconciling to a standard data model That was unique and specific to the market. And the reason this and higher ed is kind of probably in the same boat, like they're next. But right now, this is the most complicated and divergent data fragmented industry, if not in this country, and then in the world. And what Innovator has done has caught lightning in a bottle. They bucked the trend of kind of standardizing with more name brand partners and said, you know, kind of screw it. We're going to build this ourselves. They did from the ground up, specific. To the industry specific to the use cases of the industry specific to the people in the industry and have now got this data hub which has ultimately resolved the consumer slash patient interaction conversation and in doing so that has now opened up the sky to go back to the past 10 years and rewrite everything that we did And you and I were all, we were all in this, right? We were talking, like you were saying, we were talking earlier before we got on. MarTech and experiences and journey mapping and maturity modeling and campaign ROI, service line campaigns, retention then became a really cool thing. We talked about how do we keep our most loyal. That's now really rising up. And the reason all these things are now suddenly on the table again is because of, and there aren't really quite, there aren't really a lot of them. There are a few that deal with various components of the journey out there, but Innovator has codified the whole darn thing from first point of contact through whatever. That's a huge deal. And that's the only reason I'm here. And so what they've now done on top of that is they said, okay, now let's build the, the kind of the process and application layer, if we can go tech for just a second on top of that, so that every single use case That could resolve to this data is uniquely intertwined across a clinical journey or a consumer journey or a patient journey, whatever that is. And the only reason that you can even say they can do that is because there's a single patient record for a person. Because in the old world, there's a patient record in your revenue cycle system, in your EMR, in your care management system, in your population health management system, and none of them are the same. And that right there has been the bane of our existence. And that was never a process problem. It was never an application problem. It was never a department problem. It was a data problem. So they've seemingly addressed that. And so now we're building on top of that. I head up essentially what's, I think I mentioned before, kind of the consumer and patient experience side of it, which is it's going to be kind of the end game, right? So we're already talking. How do we map all the journeys? How do we look at service lines? How do we look at personas in a different way? But now I've got this, you know... (laughs) seemingly endless repository of information at which to work from and it's accurate and it's reliable and it works and it's there. Well, I think you touched on a couple of
0: things. What, what's mm-hmm. always appealed to me is an organization that understands a vision that is different and a very realistic path to get there and how quickly we need to get there. I know you've referred to a lot of timeframes here. I wonder yeah. if you could just kind of uh, build on this. Can you give us a reality check here? What about the next one to two years? Like what type of progress
1: can that be like in, in the short term? So the short term, it's it's two parts. So most have reconciled to a vision that uh, falls into kind of generally one of three areas, and, and, they're, and they're generally kind of the same thing and intertwined. But it's grow and retain and consumerism, right? So they have to grow their base because many haven't done a great job at that, especially coming out of COVID, where basically the commercially insured and even Medicare, Medicaid universe was invariably kind of shut down for an extended period of time. Not good. And then the second part of it is is because dollars are now tighter than they ever have been. From a commercialization of technology point of view, the general nature of retaining and, and maintaining a degree of loyalty is now paramount because it costs half the amount of money to do that because these are known folks. Both of those lead to broo, apex of consumerism. So that's one of the two. And that vision has to be codified. And understood from health organization to health organization to health organization, each of their interpret different. Their, each of their interpretation of consumerism will be different, but the, the fact that they're all generally seemingly aligned to it is the only thing that matters. I can wake up every single day and be like, eighty to ninety percent of health organizations, again, resolve to this, then we're good. So then it becomes a point of, and that's the vision that you hope carries us over that five-year span. But in the two-year two-year window is then action time. In the next one to two years, CIOs, CMIOs, chief marketing officers, because they're kind of typically still the change agents of consumer psychological curiosity digital transformation officers are kind of in there because they're kind of a hybrid and then patient experience and consumer experience people are starting to blend right like the patient experience folks are really starting to appreciate the consumer folks and the consumer folks are starting to appreciate the patient folks and they're all starting to show up at the same conferences together that's cool but the cios and the and the cmios and some of them even some of the medical folks and the marketing folks they have to come together and understand what it means to standardize and consolidate their tech stacks down to five super players at the most, which means they have to dissolve all of these point solutions, which just cost more money than they probably even are aware of, because it's not just a technology cost. It's a training process cost. It's a learning cost. It's a re-implementation. It's an upgrade. It's a scrum. It's scaling. It's everything that is on the lineage of managing a technology. And it doesn't matter how small it is, the cascading elements of implementing and standardizing on any given individual tool is incrementally higher the more tools you own. So when you, when you standardize that, you eliminate all of that deficient cost from your technology stack. It's another one of those sky opens up kind of thing. So to res- the next one to two years is really the standardization and consolidation movement And these organizations will serve as the building blocks that will allow us to make the final leap. This is so critically important and it cannot be understated. And there'll be a lot of good work that we do within those two-year windows. It's not like we're just shutting the doors and saying like, we just have to build this kind of like the Epic thing, right? Like you can't do anything until Epic's installed in five years. It's not going to be that. But in that time, CIOs particularly have the largest responsibility to be pragmatic, non-authoritarian, and highly collaborative leaders of not just picking the best brand name off the shelf, because that typically is an organization that is, has no earthly business even being in healthcare. Right, they just don't because everybody's jumping in. Right, you see this a lot. Every, like, like, who? Why are they here? Is, is something I say often. Like, what are you doing here? You don't, you don't work in the provider space. Like, that's dangerous. So, if they can get those thoughts out of their head and look at those that are really in it, like we were talking earlier, the empathetic, righteous organizations that are in this to fix healthcare. I mean, think about it. Latch onto the terms carefully. Fix healthcare. Those are the people you want to partner with to make your stand. That shift is in the next 12 to 24 months. And it's literally happening right under our feet. It's happening right now. Right. And I'm in countless of these conversations, as you can probably suppose. Once that maturity has kind of happened, then we make the final push to consumerism. So this is basically a prerequisite to get there.
0: Gary, this is exciting. I love being able to see some eminent change on the horizon. That's what I'm thinking as you were sharing that with us. Before we go, I want to give our listeners a chance to know how to connect with you if they want to do so.
1: Uh, yeah, appreciate that, Jared. Honestly, just my LinkedIn profile. Um, I've switched it over recently to follow. <laughs> and uh, But if you want to connect with me, that's certainly equally just as fine. In the kind of market we're in, I troll LinkedIn just as much as anybody. So that's the best way to, to reach out to me and connect to me. And I get back to people almost immediately.
0: Fantastic, Gary. This has been uh, so fun. Let's do a part two sometime. Uh, let's go like uh, like totally. like through this, and and we'll we'll double check. We'll see uh, what's on the horizon then, and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. In the meantime, thanks again so much. Stay safe and best of luck in all you're doing. Thanks for helping make healthcare consumer
1: first. Thanks, Chad. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon.
0: Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare app is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at shift.health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap.